This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Welcome in to another episode of Half Measures. This episode is brought to you with our thanks to Neon, our favourite streaming service here in New Zealand. More on that in a moment. But first, it's time to put the bat signal up into the sky and see if my co-host Dan Whiting is there to answer the call. Yippee-ki-yay, Paul. I'm here and ready. I've got my uh, bat suit on. My I see that. I see that. cape, my, my mask, my secret identity. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Been training all my life. I didn't expect it to be the George Clooney bat suit. You really shocked me with that, but you know, to each their own. If there is ever a chance to get a suit with um, with nipples, then I'm going for it. <laughs> oh wow, we've gone down all within the first sixty seconds. Amazing, amazing. Um, so yeah, so uh, Dan, what are we doing this week? What are we reviewing? What's going? Are we doing the normal thing or what? Well, this week, Paul, we've got a, a special episode of Half Measures because we are going to be talking about for the next, I guess, hour or so, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which has just come out. Indeed. So, uh, so yeah. So last week, we were contacted by Neon, who we, you know, we talk a lot about on the the pod. You know, as they're a, a Kiwi-owned streaming service, we watch a lot of their stuff here, um, and. Anyway, the, the good people at Neon contacted us and very generously invited Half Measures to be part of an HBO event to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League ahead of its global release. So obviously, you know, this was a, a great opportunity for us. It meant, you know, we had an excuse to, to wear a suit and be VIP, you know, for a few hours. And it means, of course, that even though the movie has only just released uh, to the world in the last 24 hours, we're all ready to go and have a, a corridor about it right now. For once, Dan, Half Measures is ahead of the curve. We are. We're ahead. We have. Um, we had a pretty limited window to watch this movie. It was sort of a a, a, a twenty four hour window. So it's you know normally if we were going to do a real sort of deep dive, this is the type of thing which we'd love to sort of probably watch a couple of times and, and really get our heads around. So, but we've, we've only had the chance to watch it once. So we'll no doubt be watching this again. Uh, in the coming weeks, uh, but I'm I'm really looking forward to sharing our thoughts, talking about this movie. There's a, a lot of history, a lot of context, uh, a lot um, of stuff around this movie, which is uh, both interesting and should make for a good conversation. Absolutely. So so yeah. So this my this week we're abandoning the whole usual format that we normally do to focus solely on. This crisis that not only faces Metropolis or Gotham, but the whole planet. And so I guess with that in mind, if you haven't watched Zack Snyder's Justice League, and if you have any intention of doing so, don't listen to this podcast because we're going to do a, a really deep dive in it. And I guess on the same note, if you're not going to watch it because you don't have four hours of your life to commit, and it is a commitment to the league, uh, then we can bring you up to speed right now. But yeah, if you're going to watch it and you're here in New Zealand, you can watch that on neon and so yeah uh, thanks to them for including us as part of this um if you haven't checked them out before you know my advice to you is take two weeks annual leave from your job go along to their website and get yourself the 14 day free trial and maybe in 14 days you could binge all five seasons of better call Saul. 
three seasons of ham I, I would love to know how much you could watch in a 14 day sprint dan because i've seen you do this before with the shield i'd love to see what you could really do if you're on annual leave as well well, I think the thing is Neon's got all the good stuff, right? As you say, it's got Handmaid's Tale, it's got uh, Yellowstone, it's got the first six seasons of Walking Dead, which are worth talking about. The rest, you know, we don't need to talk about. In fact, the listeners today will probably be glad not to hear my rants about Walking Dead. So it's a treat for everyone. Yeah, you, you get a week off. You get a week off. Actually, that's true, yeah. Fear the Walking Dead is, is also on Neon. I forgot about that. That's another one I can't wait to get back into. Anyway, today we're heading into... This movie. So I guess, first of all, uh, a synopsis very briefly for this movie. And Dan, you might be able to add to this, but we've got fueled by his restored faith in humanity and inspired by Superman's selfless act. Bruce Wayne enlists his newfound ally, Diana Prince, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, to face an even greater threat. So together, he and Diana Prince work quickly to recruit a team against this newly awakened enemy and despite the formation of this somewhat unprecedented league of heroes which includes batman wonder woman aquaman cyborg and the flash it may actually still be too late to save the planet from an assault of catastrophic proportions so uh, look first things first i guess then for me i'm keen to get a sense of whether you are a fan of the original 2017 Justice League movie and then sort of then we can talk about this one but what's your sort of your sense on the original is it something you enjoyed well I think there's an interesting bit of context there just for those people that are maybe not as up to play with what's going on in the the DC universe so this movie did come out in in 2017 what was the original Justice League and this movie was originally directed by Zack Snyder but he had to step away from the project mm. halfway through and was never able to complete it and so they brought in uh, Joss Whedon who had worked on the Avengers and he basically picked up the movie and didn't use all of the ideas and concepts that Zack Snyder had originally kind of thought of and kind of took it in a little bit of a different direction. And from what I understand, the the pressure from Warner Brothers at the time, um, and you've sort of got to think back to, to 2017, like we're really in, we're in peak Marvel um, mm. mode back then. They were really like, we need a bit more humour, we want a bit more colour, we want this to be a bit more fun, whereas the – the DC universe had been sort of quite dark, quite dark and gritty up until this point. And so if you're thinking about sort of getting yourself up to date um, and watching all of these movies in a row, so you would be watching Man of Steel, which came out in 2013. You'd be watching uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, which came out in 2016. Then there was the original Justice League that came out in 2017. In between that, there's uh, the Suicide Squad. But you know, as a as a general premise, you probably would wa- you would want to watch Man of Steel, or at the very least, um, Batman v Superman before Justice League. Now, I have only seen uh, the original Justice League once, um, mm. and I, you know, for this is a, an old time joke on the podcast. I watched it on a plane, and I <laughs> I was traveling somewhere around the world, and I remember at the time thinking. This is not the optimal way to watch this type of movie, but I I was kind of coming in with low expectations, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, that was actually better than I thought it was going to be. And so, I guess a little interesting thing about both Paul and I is, is we're actually we're fans of the the Batman versus Superman movie, and I know that that also gets quite a bit of mm. um, backlash and and 
hate on the internet, but I thought Justice League was okay. Like it wasn't it wasn't groundbreaking. It wasn't in my eyes up to the sort of Marvel standard. And I think that's a lot of that is because, you know, Marvel really took a, a slow and concise approach. They went for a real sort of let's build out these characters with individual movies, let's slowly bring them together. And DC was very much sort of playing catch up with we need to get all of these characters out there, introduce them to everyone, get them together, get them working as a team. We need that big blockbuster money. And it always felt a bit more rushed to me. But, you know, the 2017 one was was okay. What did you think? It's interesting seeing you put it like that. It kind of makes me feel like the Avengers, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of like an organized organization with a podcast which knows what it's doing and actually planned ahead. And the DC Justice League original cut is a bit like half measures where it's all thrown together at the last minute with a very little thought. Um, I did like the original. I, I had issues with it, but overall I enjoyed it. And what is interesting for me is that Probably the thing I didn't like about that 2017 version uh, was the enemy, was the the this this villain um, uh, Steppenwolf, the reason why the league was formed up in in that movie. And so for me, it's not the kind of villain I'm overly interested in when I think of a superhero movie. I mean, I'm pretty basic, and I'm sure many people would agree with that assessment. <laughs> well, you know, what I love about Man of Steel is I love the fight against uh, General Zod, Batman versus Superman against uh, Lex Luthor. So. Where Batman versus Superman went off the rails is the the Doomsday villain, and it's kind of the same thing with the original Justice League. And, and to be fair, going going into this new movie, kind of again with Zack Snyder's Justice League, is that we have this villain who's seemingly like this unstoppable godlike monster type creature. And so, I guess that's my criticism of the original Justice League. Um, but at the same time, when you have characters like uh, well, Superman and Wonder Woman, I guess, who do have those godlike powers, then I guess it's always going to be too easy to squash. Anyway, I'm going to pack that because, um, you know, that I guess that's my position of primary criticism. But I, I guess I'm, I want to make it clear that that's not my criticism of this movie. That's in, in general. So I liked it, but I didn't like the villain, I guess, was the long winded answer. Yeah, look, um, I think those those are those are all fair points, and again, I think because it was a, it felt a little bit cobbled together. The Justice League movie is, is sort of a, a series of kind of fight scenes and a series of of events, as opposed to a, a a deeper sort of narrative and story being told around it. Which is where I think Zack Snyder's come in, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to use these four hours and I'm going to tell the story I want to tell. And I think we talked about it uh, maybe an episode or two ago. That's Nick, uh, Zack Snyder wasn't actually uh, getting paid to, mm. you know, pull this vision together because he wanted to uh, maintain that sort of ultimate control of the movie. And I think, you know, the four hours is a long movie. It is a long movie in one sitting. Like, if this was at a movie theatre, you would definitely need a break for an ice cream. It's, you know, it you could because I think the original vision was that this would be a two part movie, and I think the way that it's presented now. You know, if this wasn't a theater, it probably would be two parts because there's a lot to sort of take on and, and think about. Oh yeah, look, this this would this would this isn't a criticism. It's just an agreement. What you said this this would never fly in the cinema, not for me anyway. But um, because of the world we find ourselves in, it being released as one one four hour film, I f I think it it worked for me. It kind of uh, it felt like a it felt like a I was watching it as 
it was it became a whole experience it was it, for us it was a it was like this whole sunday afternoon um and it consumed that whole period of time and so it, it worked really well as as a one piece but um we'll, we'll i guess we'll get into that as we start giving our, our thoughts just touching on what you said before about uh, you know zach snyder not being paid i read a couple of other things once i'd watched this and he you know he stated that this version of of justice league will not be set you know, in the same continuity uh, as as Joss Whedon's version, you know, and Jason Momoa has said um, that Aquaman takes place after Zack Snyder's Justice League rather than 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 Whedon's, and Wonder Woman has said that you know they've aligned and they don't, you know, they're not recognizing the. I'm not sure how you would say the word canicity. The the canical, it's no longer canon in that respect. So it seems like people have made their decision to to sit alongside this one. And the other, the last thing I read on this in the trivia was that um, even though his name appears on the original credits of the original cut, Zack Snyder never actually watched that version at all. And his wife and Christopher Nolan both said to him, don't do it, it will break your heart. So I kind of like that because it means he's coming to this totally unaware of, of what had occurred in that respect and what constituted canon at that point. So mm, very interesting. Yeah. And I think, so I've seen a few tags that they're, so they're calling this the, the DCU extended universe, much like they would with, I guess, you know, Star Wars content where this is kind of legends or this is just kind of a, another take on it. And I think this is the thing. When you watch this movie, it feels so out of place with the most recent Wonder Woman movie. It, it feels like a, a complete different vibe and genre. Um, and I actually think, you know, now because we've had so much Marvel content, I would be all up for this um, Zack Snyder sort of dark, gritty uh, mm. superhero Justice League sort of future, but I don't know if that's what we're going to get, to be honest. No, I don't. I don't know either. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts on what I'd love to see happen after this movie, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll get to that once we've gone through the the whole thing. So, so yeah, so this is four hours, two minutes, and I think that breaks the record for the longest movie I've ever seen by some. Uh, I think Gone with the Wind would be the longest one I've sat down and watched. And I have a feeling that was around the four hour mark. But um, it's, it, it is, I mean, I guess a good quarter of an hour of that is is credits. But um, one of the things that's interesting, Dan, is that this movie is served up into some nice compartmentalized chapters or, or parts as, as they're called we have six of them in total plus a plus an epilogue so i guess we've got yeah i guess we've got seven parts in total right yeah it does and i think it, it i think that's what it, the way that zack snyder has broken it up actually makes it quite easy to like you could kind of split that over like you know the six parts you could you could split your viewing sessions around that um i think that one thing I thought was interesting about this movie, just sort of holistically, is when I was sort of taking a few notes around what I wanted to talk about with this movie, I would often write down, a, oh, why, why hasn't this happened or why isn't this done? And I think what was actually quite good in this kind of four-hour movie is I feel like Zack Snyder was like, gotcha, and he's gone back and like, you know, closed that loop where I thought they might have left it open. Right. Yeah, I think there was a couple of things. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of differences, especially with the runtime, but there were some things that were very much uh, different. And so I wonder, yeah, I wonder if he would have done that so deliberately had this other version not have been created. If 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 it was, as you said, it was kind of like the gotcha moments. It was, um, there's, there's a couple of them throughout. Um, I, I love the Pat numbering and I love some of the Pat names. Um like the very first one, 
when it comes up, part one, don't count on it, Batman. As soon as I saw that sort of language, that sort of um, the phrase, the, the the that sort of gave a tone for the types of the titles that we might expect to see. But I really, I really liked that, and I just remember thinking when I saw that as a kid. Who knows? Even maybe right now. But one of the things I would love to, if I'd seen the bat signal go up in the sky, to have the Dark Knight calling you to help him out on mission. You know, why should Robin have all the fun? But other than Wonder Woman, who obviously had befriended, you know, Bruce Wayne in, in Batman versus Superman, no one else really, to start with, really wants to get on board this Justice League train. Yeah, well, I guess so. The the whole sort of, this I guess where we get into the the details of the. Uh, movie but this whole sort of like you know bringing on board Aquaman was um he was he was always like sort of the a big ask right and I think I really enjoyed the way that they introduced his character I enjoy I think Jason Momoa is a he, he brings such a great kind of like gritty natural kind of edge to that role and I think they actually make Aquaman cool because I think you know there's lots of memes and jokes around how Aquaman is kind of the, the uncool character of of all the superhero characters and I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Aquaman I think he's he's a lot of fun and I think when they when he comes out of the water and they kind of sort of really demonstrate his his powers it's he's a cool guy he is yeah I mean I think you're right in terms of you know the internet memes and whatever I, I think he is really good he's a good gateway into this movie for for humor I think him and the flash are both both in that respect, really good. Not never at the expense of their characters' own stories and the, and the serious sides of that. But there is an element of Aquaman that's um, is is quite funny. I think one of the first things I'll say straight away in terms of criticisms is uh, we got more of that scene about going out to 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 see Aquaman and to see a bit of his backstory. And I appreciated all of that. I wasn't too into the singing that was going on. Maybe that's a little bit a hash of me, a little uncivilized, uncultured. But um, when those those girls were singing out to the water. I I didn't necessarily need that, and straight and that because that was so early in the movie. I was thinking, oh no, we haven't got lots of filler, have we? And I don't I don't for a second think we did. But I did think that first extra scene was like, uh oh. You know, Paul, how there's certain things in movies that um, annoy me or in a TV show, like no liquid in the coffee cup. Yes. One of the things here that Aquaman did, which really kind of surprised me, is when he's. Um, walking along the pier and he smashes his whiskey bottle and then like the wave comes and kind of takes it all away. I'm like, of all people, Aquaman shouldn't be littering in the sea. Like that just feel it felt so so wrong. It's so funny you should say that because I was watching him with the bottle thinking, well, goodness me, what's he going to do? Is he going to take it back to the bar? I don't believe he is. He doesn't look the sort who would. <laughs> and indeed he didn't. No, it's so funny that I picked up on that as well. I was like, oh, where's that glass going to go? <laughs> yeah and even just i think the i think there's always that kind of fine line with aquaman right like how does he how does like what happens to his clothes like he's just like throwing his clothes on the beach and is he coming back to get those clothes each time um and then he's just like swimming in his pants and his boots but then like it's all kind of like i feel like those logistics for some reason bother me more than they should but it it's the questions that are going around in my mind when these things happen it's right i mean both he and the hulk presumably get through a lot of clothes and i presume they've got like a sort of some sort of vip discount card going on either at sears or or farmers or wherever they're based yeah i think you know uh, along with that comment i like the way they sort of like start to give you kind of these um i guess like core character moments right and so you sort of 
you're focused around um, Aquaman and and Batman trying to recruit him or Bruce Wayne, and then you know we move on to the um, that bank heist scene with Wonder Woman, and I just found like some of these scenes like like so dark and gritty and so I loved it like it was like it was out of character of the um of I guess the 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 DC universe that's kind of been laid out before me and when I think about particularly the the bank high scene where you know one of the characters says to someone shut your effing mouth and then I think back to just you know a few months ago, watching uh, Wonder Woman 1984, the movie, and the most cheesy, ridiculous, over-the-top, like, jewelry store robbery, which Wonder Woman's involved in. And those two characters couldn't be further apart in the type of movie they're trying to create. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point you raise, especially around – because the, the, the language – and there's a couple of times again at the end, wasn't there? In, the, in that dream sequence where where Batman starts uh, getting, you know, real potty mouth um, that just set it apart from uh, previous incarnations of this character. Um, it made me think of the swearing that's going on in in Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery that's never been there for for years. It's it's a very different feel. I haven't seen Wonder Woman eighty four. It's definitely on the the radar to to see as soon as it becomes available on a streaming platform. Uh, but um, I've already got a sense, just even from the trailer, that the the Wonder Woman that we see in this movie, compared to that type of film, feels like it may be very, very different indeed. But uh, I overall, on that vein of thought, I felt like this was very much now in line with Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman. And that's the most pleasing thing, because as much as I love the Wonder Woman movie, and you know you've got the Aquaman and you've got the Flash coming out, and that's the core movies for me. I I agree. I I am I have no no shade to throw it at any of this. I think this is this is the uh, the trilogy of movies which I think kind of makes sense and kind of works, and they they feel like they're a, they're the box set that all all go together. Yeah, and it's um. You know, it's the thing is, you mentioned how it's it's a long movie, and it is a long movie. It didn't actually feel that long, and I, and I say that in the context of obviously four hours is, is a long amount of time. You know, that's it could be that's basically your whole morning after you've had breakfast, it's your whole afternoon or whatever. But it, it did as as four hours goes, it didn't feel that long. I was never like, oh, how much long has this movie got? I was more looking at the time, actually thinking things like. I hope there's less credits and more film to go so that we get to see a bit more of Joker. Um, this this whole thing felt like uh, like an anthology. It was more of an experience. It goes on for that long. It's something that you get you get caught up within. And like I said before, you just need to be in a, in a, in a comfortable place um, to, to watch that. So yeah, it's it's an extravaganza. That's how it felt. And I think that that's the the genius and the beauty of the way that they created the the six parts to this movie is because you know four hours is a long time, but six parts doesn't feel like very long at all. And when you're kind of just like whipping through those parts, part one, part two, part three, it's like oh my god, we're we're probably halfway through now. Um, I'm not sure how they sort of stack up time wise, whether they're equal or not, but it they it felt quite quite natural. Yeah, no, it did, and and it's kind of cool, I guess, from a reviewing perspective as well, because I can kind of chunk up some of my thoughts um, to those to those six parts in the epilogue. Um, the epilogue definitely is a, a little bit different than any of the six parts, and I guess we'll we'll come to that probably at the end. But um, yeah, it's 
it's it's so much more than a movie it's you know it's it's quite it's quite exceptional from the point of view that it's it's not um how do you say it? it's not uh formulaic it, it doesn't it doesn't conform to a lot of those things it's hasn't got a a you know it's got a very disturbing ending in some respects it's not a superhero type ending at all it's sort of you sort of reach that high point and then it sort of just tries to drag you back down and i love that i think um and this is kind of again jumping around a little bit but i think what's great about this movie great great and sad is that i felt like this was this was the end of the trilogy in the mm. way in the way that it was being presented to us so you kind of have to accept it for what it is and i think it went out with a with a bang do I want more of this? A hundred percent. Am I going to get it? Probably not. Because um, I think w- what I want is I want more of these same characters, more of these same actors, more of this sort of tone and storytelling. But I think that's not the. It's probably not really the the, the opportunity or the, or the landscape that's kind of out there at the moment. So I think when you're watching it, you it's kind of got like a a finite sort of. Uh, this this is it this is this is what you're getting and so mm. we've got to make the most of it and it feels okay yeah so i mean i guess i've probably sort of said in as many words that i did definitely enjoy this i found it i also found it more cohesive than the original it's more compelling not just because of all the of all the grandeur you know that i've spoken of but it's just a lot more engaging in terms of the story and the feeling um i always felt like i hadn't you know, despite liking the original, I almost feel like I wish I hadn't seen the original and gone straight to this. So I guess if anyone's listening who hasn't seen either version, I really do compel you to stop listening to this podcast. Not every week, just just for now. Go and put your phone on silent and order in a pizza and get a whole bunch of snacks and, and just go watch this this cut. Because I think if you could imagine not having seen any of the original cut of Justice League, then I think it would make a fascinating watch. Well, and I think this is the thing, right? This movie literally starts at the very from the very final scene mm. of um, Batman versus Superman, and it actually took me it took me sort of actually half an hour to kind of like get my head sort of straight around. Okay, so where are we at? Like, what happened in those movies? Oh, yeah, that's right. And then kind of it all started to sort of flow together for me. But this, and I, I think it actually would have been a really rewarding experience. To watch Batman vs Superman first, to rem- even if you yeah, if you haven't seen it in a while. No, for sure. I mean, Man of Steel as well, but definitely Batman vs Superman, because you mentioned before about you know the trilogy, and it kind of feels like DC has gone out and created its own Lord of the Rings scale movie. That's sort of how big it is. I guess that's kind of how good it is. It's so grand. Um, you know, the the directing as well, the difference in the direction with respect to what. Joss Whedon did um, is is a notch above the cast. You know, I guess we should get into some of the characters and cast as well. But you know, they're great. The special effects are great. The production is is superb. You know, I didn't. I don't know about you, but I didn't see any uh, photoshopped uh, mustache issues going on with 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 Henry Cavill this time. It's it's quite a majestic piece of of cinema, and uh, yeah, a really enjoyable watch. I think it's it's hard to. I really want to jump around different scenes because I think, it, which which is going to be probably incohesive for for people listening. But I think you know when you when you talk about you know no Photoshop mustache, 
I think, you know, the other great thing is, you know, seeing Superman in, in his black suit was just so, so epic. And seeing uh, um, an unleashed Superman is something that, you know, the closest I've seen to that would be in an episode of The Boys where, you know, kind of super, superheroes gone wrong. And there's, I think this movie actually explores so many big ideas, but it, it does it so well that you feel quite fulfilled as, you, as you're watching it all. Yeah. Oh, look. The black suit, as you mentioned, that is pretty cool. I mean, I really kind of like that. Not not forever, but for this moment, this sort of this moment in that movie, I thought it was 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 awesome. And it's uh, it, it just yeah, it's just a, a very different look. And um, yeah, the the Superman character in this movie is is a, is a fascinating thing. I mean, the, just Superman in itself. I mean, just let's just again. Spoilers, but you know, if you're still listening, it's bad. I mean, Superman does not show up until part five of this of this movie, which is is quite extraordinary. It's quite a, you know, that's quite a long way into the movie. Um, you know, we're like three hours into the movie, and there's still no sign of him. And so that, for me, that builds that anticipation of his character, and. And I guess whilst we've had Bruce Wayne, we kind of really hadn't had Batman. I think it's great. It really adds to the impact when they when they do show up. And it reminds me of something I've talked about before in The Dark Knight Rises when, you know, Batman doesn't show up, um, uh, you know, for like a an hour into a Batman movie. And I, I just think it really builds the excitement Um it's like it's like you it's like everything that comes before is like the starters as you're awaiting the main course. It's uh, it's really good. It's it's good. I wonder whether we actually should should we sort of do a bit of a, a character by character kind of discussion, or do you want to move no, through the? Yeah, okay. So, I wonder whether we just go back a little bit because that might sort of help us move through the the different sections as well. So, if we go back to uh, Wonder Woman and we get a bit of a a, a great, uh, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is part of the epilogue as well, uh, where we see back on Wonder Woman's home home turf and all the Amazon Amazonians and the the fight scenes that are happening back there uh like there is blood there is heads there is like all sort that this is brutal like and I think the really interesting thing is um when Stephen Wolfer arrives I think it's about an hour, maybe an hour maybe more till you actually find out what Stephen Wolf's name is and like for the longest time I was like what's the name of this bad guy yeah. and I I couldn't remember from the um original movie and but so great and i think you know that combined you know that scene sort of playing out alongside um wonder woman stopping the bank heist it was it was just epic and i think the the only sort of um thing i would maybe say with all the wonder woman scenes is i think two things happened and i don't know how clear this is going to come across on the podcast but every time she was in a scene this would happen And there'd kind of be this sort of like, um, like kind of like the G up hype music, and it was cool, but it was kind of it was used every single time she did anything. That music would play, and then they they would always give her a slow motion scene, and some of those slow motions went on a little bit too long for my liking because it was, it was too much sort of slow motion, sort of facial looking around, but it was it was great. I think she completely kicked ass. Okay, I have a number of thoughts about that because the music is is something I was going to touch on altogether, and I guess I could probably 
maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk about it now in case I forget later. But so you're right, the the Wonder Woman theme is retained, and I think that's good. I, th- I know exactly what you mean in terms of we don't need to hear it every single time. I, I get that. I think the movie, the music overall is exceptionally different, and I. I kind of talked about this the other week without actually realizing quite what that meant in terms of um, Danny Elfman being replaced by, um, I can't even think of the name, something XL, junk, Junkie? Oh, junk, junkie XL. That's it, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it does still retain the signature theme, you know, like we said, Wonder Woman, the, the Superman theme. Um, but the music actually is something massive in this movie that's, that redefines it. It's it's If I had to point the finger somewhere in terms of what wasn't as good as the original it's that the music isn't everything i would want it to be it's not on the same scale as suicide squad um but when i think about man of steel and i think about batman versus superman my sort of memories of that movie or those movies is that hans zimmer theme and i feel like i just got no sense for a theme for batman in this movie so whilst what you what we're talking about here with wonder woman at least we always had that sense of who identity that was associated to that character. Um, because, you know, I've got a real sense of identity for Michael Keaton's Batman uh, with Danny Elfman's original theme or Hans Zimmer's with the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I guess overall I'm just saying that probably my biggest disappointment for this whole movie was, in fact, the, the change up in the music. Um, and I think whilst cool and rocky and good beats at times and bass lines and whatever. I, it, for me, it doesn't quite fit in with a superhero movie. It's not, not a Superman or Batman movie, I guess is my main point here, but um, I take your point definitely about the Wonder Woman theme. I take your point also about the slow-mos. The slow-mos are really good. For some reason, I think the same thing is true within the context of the original Wonder Woman movie, but it never stood out for me because of course it was happening consistently throughout that movie whereas in this justice league movie we're only getting the slow mo's well most of the slow mo's i guess on her and or the flash i guess uh, points but um yeah good point good point yeah i didn't notice the the difference in the music maybe as much and i i'm i kind of bring up the wonder woman um theme music i'm a little bit 50 50 on it because at times it was kind of really it really kind of like it was awesome because it was like you guys are going to get wasted and then on the on the flip side it was kind of like oh god we don't need the song every single time so it was kind of just i think just getting getting the balance right but i i really enjoyed the the way they brought wonder woman into this and i think you know you mentioned right at the start she was already kind of loosely part of the team mm. from the start of this movie and i th- this really sort of cemented her role in the in the justice league and i i think this is the, this is the type of wonder woman movie i want to see more of mm. um but alas I feel, I feel like and this is difficult to quantify over a period of four hours but i feel like um there perhaps wasn't as much Diana Prince story in this uh, movie as I might have expected there might have been a bit more um, I guess this this story had a definitive sort of direction it was heading in and maybe there wasn't as much time but um, I don't know it'd be interesting to, to re-watch just I just didn't gauge as many additional moments with her uh, as I might have expected or at least certainly not in terms of you know on her you know, around her amazonian people and all the rest of it i guess i don't know why i was expecting that but uh 
everything that she was in, I thought she was great. Um, and I love that she gives as good as she get in, in any scene. Like, you know, when we get again, jumping to the end, when we get to the, the, the taking down of, uh, of the, of the, of the bad guys, she's, she's, she's putting in the big blows that are like chopping people in half and stuff, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, it's always really good, I think, when you see Wonder Woman using not only her braces, but using the, the shield and the sword and really being acrobatic and, um, such a, like, you know, she, she's up there with Superman, right? Like, and mm. sort of her, her abilities and, and her skills. Um, yeah, I think she was great. And I think maybe the reason we didn't get as much um, Wonder Woman backstory is I think when you've got a four-hour movie, you've got to decide who are the characters that the audience doesn't know enough about. And I guess with Wonder Woman already introduced um, in the Dawn of Justice, the Batman vs. Superman movie, uh, whereas you know we, we, we didn't really know anything about Cyborg. We didn't really know anything about Flash. Um, we didn't know a lot in theory about Aquaman. Um but we do because the Aquaman movie came out after the original Justice League, you know. So I guess they're just kind of always playing that balancing game. Yeah, um, I guess changing characters. You, you mentioned the cyborg. I loved the 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 change to this film for, from Cyborg's perspective. I loved I loved the backstory we got. Um, it kind of made it easier to understand his character. It made his strengths more understandable. And look, I. I am someone who's never really encountered Cyborg until the last few years. I think, you know, in, in cartoons like Teen Titans, I, I I haven't read the comics. And so it was a great way to bring me up to speed and to appreciate his character's place within this this story. Um, and specifically, uh, you know, as part of the Justice League. Yeah, I think uh, such a, a, a great opportunity for you know obviously for ray fisher to really bring this character to life and it's a i think you're right like he's a character that's not like he's not cyborg isn't a mainstream character that every, like everybody knows about like you can say clark kent or bruce wayne and everyone kind of knows who you're talking about but if if you talk about victor stone people have no idea who mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. and i think it was cool to get that backstory and kind of cool to see the the effects of how they kind of used cyborg and i think again such unlimited power and at first when they were kind of talking about this character and he's got like unlimited ability he can like mm. launch nuclear missiles he can see all data and information i was like this is ridiculous who has this type of power but then to to understand how his power came about because of um one of those mind stones was it, it kind of made it all make a bit more sense i think the there's always a fine line for me when you're when you're creating characters like Cyborg where you need them to kind of visually look like they would in the comics, but then also bring it into real life. And there seems something a little bit crazy to me that if I'm going to be a real life Cyborg, I don't need like a giant like Wi-Fi light on my head and on my eye. Like I'd, I'd like to be able to like, you know, turn that off so it could be a little bit more stealth. Like it seems a little bit like ridiculous that you've got to have this bright white light. You're trying to go incognito, but that's a again it's a there's no coffee in the cup complaint really i thought great great backstory great fight scenes great to see um cyborg really use his powers and do something different yeah and so much of his original stuff was cut from that original version that came out and um and then of course you know Zack snyder has stated once or twice now you know he's the heart of this movie and apparently only one scene that was directed by 
Snyder, which remained in the original cut, was uh, when him and Batman meet up with Commissioner Gordon. Everything else was gone. So, so I think if you put yourself in Ray Fisher's shoes, this must have been a real moment because he really becomes so central to the whole movie. And uh, I really, like, I agree with what you said about the the, the the special effects in this movie were fantastic, but the design of Cyborg from a, a coffee in the cup practical practical practicality moment it's like yeah I, I don't need that light on this yeah I, I get what you're saying and um yeah he didn't need to always have that that under armor jacket on as well you know so much blatant product placement going on with that it was a little bit much maybe <laughs> yeah yeah um i have i think what was good about him is he brought a whole different type of character and i think what Ray Fisher did really well was he kind of balanced the like he kind of became quite emotionless right and he kind of became like like really dry and very serious but also every now and again would kind of show a little bit of um, heart and emotion in in some of the scenes. I thought the other interesting thing is as they're kind of recruiting the various members of the Justice League the interview process was pretty light it was more like do you want to help us and they're like all right then and then they, and people would help like it wasn't like are you on our side? Like, are you a goodie or are you a baddie? Yeah. And they they had already sort of made the call. It was more just a, a shoulder tap. Do you want to join the team? Yeah, no, it was. Um, one such character uh, who, unlike the others not wanting to join, um, was real keen to join, was, was Flash. And uh, the Flash intro scene, that was a whole new scene where he, he, he comes in where the, that car is crashed into the truck and he goes along and saves the girl. I thought that was a real good way to, to, to bring about his, uh, his whole character. I felt like, um, uh, there was a, a number of things that happened in this movie with flash where I felt like if I was in this movie, I feel like I would be, I would be flash. Cause kind of like the, 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 the sort of the guy, you know, Bruce Wayne had even finished saying, I want you in this league. And he's like, I I'm in, I, I can't wait. And he's just, he's constantly laughing. He's constantly nervous, you know, hi, Barry Allen, I'm Diana Prince, you know, just all the classic mistakes. He, he, he also, as I said about Aquaman is a great way of bringing in the, uh, the, the humor, but you know, it has his serious moments as well. I really, I tell you what, I'm really excited to see the flash movie that's coming out. And I wasn't previously on the basis that I, I was never that big on the flash, but I think in this movie, he's great. I completely agree with you. I um, thought the the flash was great. I love the the banter and, and the one liners. Um, again, I thought some of his slow motion scenes, like someone like the flash, you've always got to do a little bit of slow motion. But I found that car scene where he saves that girl when we first introduced him, kind of just the slow mo almost went on a little bit too long. There, I kind of feel a bit embarrassed of the the weird eye contact that's happening, um, but. Look, great character. I'm definitely excited to see him in, in the Flash movie. I think he could do some great stuff. I was almost a little bit surprised that we didn't see a scene where maybe um, Bruce Wayne hooks him up with the Flash uniform or gives him some special sort of technology because, you know, we basically go from the Flash basically like, you know, boosting it, like ripping the shoes apart from going super speed rip, and having sort of ripped up clothes from going so fast, all of a sudden just appearing in in a full uniform. And it, I think there probably could have been a cool moment with, you know, like Alfred being like, here, we've got some technology, yeah. nanofibers, blah, blah, blah. This will help you. You know, that would have been cool. Yeah, 
No, I think you're right. Um, and I just realised I had to correct myself. I was already excited about the Flash movie because, of course, that's the movie where Michael Keaton's alternate universe Batman is apparently showing up. So I was excited about it. But now I'm excited about it for the Flash. Really enjoyable character. And I, I, I take your point again around the, the slow-mos. Um, I, if I hadn't have known that the Flash movie was coming out, there was a moment towards the end where I thought, is he going to be a sacrifice for this movie? Like I, I felt like that the way the story was going, it felt like his character had to do something maybe at his own expense. Um, so yeah, I guess knowing that that movie was coming out probably meant that that little bit of tension was, was taken away. Um, I, th- I think too, with the flash, you know, obviously a, a very different combat style to someone like wonder woman, because obviously wonder woman was, Superman or even Batman are kind of using, you know, brute, for- brute force, whereas the Flash is going so fast, he's just sort of slightly, you know, like with his finger touching things and sort of changing the um, the physics of the whole, you know, someone's movement or, or what they're going to do. And it's such a, a different a different concept and, and, and way to fight and sort of um, a, another different element on the battlefield. Hmm. Um, where do we go next should we should we just jump straight into one of the big batman i found his character in this movie very very satisfying throughout i feel i I feel like ben affleck as well for me is 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 really good batman i think he's i think he's pretty decent bruce wayne i think he is overall it gets a lot of criticism but for me i think he's really good i think he's strong in this movie i think he probably goes straight to number three yes in my list behind christian bell and of course sir michael keaton um in terms of into you know and, and look, let's be honest you've you got to be you know pretty damn good to get above either of those two in, in, in terms of batman's um i thought he was solid in this movie i felt he brought elements of humor uh he's he's really good in the in the action scenes i I felt like he got a lot of criticism in the original. Obviously, of course, because this movie has yet to be released at the time as we're recording this podcast, I don't know what the world is going to react to to Ben Affleck in this movie, but I enjoyed him. What did you think? Uh, I really enjoyed him, and I think... But that, for me, follows through from um, the, the Batman v Superman. I loved him in that, and I've always been a fan of the the older, sort of grittier been a, been around the track a few times, uh, Batman, I, I think. And I think Ben Affleck really brought something different to that role. And I think I always, every time I see um, Ben Affleck as, as Batman, particularly in this movie, it kind of makes me feel a little bit sad that, again, this is the end of um, Ben Affleck as Batman. You know, like it's not like we're getting more more of more of him in this role. And Are we? As far as I'm... I, I was oh. I was reading that he could be sh- he could be showing up in the Flash movie with M- Michael Keaton oh, really? being the alternate Batman from that alternate universe as as his Batman, but that Ben Affleck could show up in that one. I don't know. Well, I guess when I say no, like we're not getting a a, a Ben Affleck Batman movie as far right. as I know right. anymore. Yeah. So yeah. so we're not getting a, a sort of a a main movie all about him. Sorry. And I think there could have been something really awesome for me. I think of a uh, you know particularly Ben Affleck. Um, you know, setting up as mentor, or like mentoring somebody, you know, kind of handing over the cow. Like there, w- there would have been some real cool stories to tell there. And I think Ben Affleck would have been great to play that role. Um, but in, look, that aside, 
I really enjoyed him. I think he plays a great billionaire. He plays a great superhero. I think he's just as cool as Bruce Wayne as he is his Batman. And I think when you get an actor who can play that role with or without the mask and still bring the same emotion and cool factor to it, I think that's a that's a really big deal. Hmm. I also think um, he had some great one-liners, um, you know, and, and some of those like classic jokes. Like I can't remember who asked them. It might have been um, the Flash. You know, what's your superpower? And he's like, I'm rich. That was so good. It's really beautifully done as well because it's he's sort of saying I'm rich just as the the doors on his Mercedes come down. You know, it's not the open doors; it's the doors that open up into the air that they just come down just at the right moment. It's a it's a very well well timed moment that scene. Yeah, he does have. He probably has uh, putting aside. I thought. Aquaman and, and Flash, who have those um, good humor, I think. Yeah, you're right. He probably has the the funniest. Although I think the funniest line of the entire movie, and we were we were just talking about it just before we hit record, actually goes to Jeremy Irons, uh, who plays who plays Alfred, who is a fascinating character. Alfred, in terms of all the Batman movies, I feel like Jeremy Irons' character really uh, sorry, Jeremy Irons acting abilities really bring something different out of Alfred. His relationship with Bruce Wayne is, is different to anything I've seen. Even I, I would say other than Michael Caine's Alfred, which I just loved and, and, and potentially um, Sean Pertwee in Gotham. I think Jeremy Irons is uh, just absolute standout Alfred. I do also really enjoy the, I think the age difference between Alfred and um, Bruce is, you know, like what are we probably talking here? 20 years in mm. that? You know, like I, I enjoy that they're kind of of a similar, like they, they've kind of got enough in common that yeah. they're actually good friends as well. That's a, that's a really good distinction because traditionally, yeah, you're right. It's more of a 40 year gap, perhaps probably closer. So no, you're right. And um, that line I was just trying to think of, uh, was when they they knew that people were coming to the Batcave and everyone was coming around. Have you got it written down there, Dan? Yeah, I have. Yeah, so he's like, um, I'll put the tea on. Who knows where we'll find the cups? It's it's great. It, it, I don't know what it sounds like listening to it on a podcast, but within the context of that movie, the fear of someone turning up at the Batcave and all Alfred can think about is, well, I don't know where we're going to get the crockery for this. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's classic. Yeah. It's great. Well, I think the the other thing that's cool, just sort of talking about the whole sort of, I guess the in the Batman sphere, is Bruce Wayne's house is actually pretty understated as far as mm. um, typical uh, Wayne manners that we would see in just about every other Batman that we've ever seen. Like it's kind of cool that he's got this like pretty um, public and open house that's basically you know mostly made of glass by by the lake and obviously i imagine you know there's high fences around that but it's it's very understated and it's more of a um a bachelor pad airbnb type vibe than it is um wayne manor yeah no absolutely and it's interesting how towards the end of the movie they sort of like they introduce the look of um i guess the justice league headquarters and i started thinking oh this is going to be a bit more grand and uh, you know, there's going to be a table in the middle, and there's going to be room for six and room for more. That's when you start getting your appetite whetted for more. And I started wondering if, if, if was I looking at the headquarters or was I looking at Wayne Manor? I wasn't really sure, but um, yeah. Uh, where was I going with my train of thought? Oh, yeah, so so Batman has Alfred. Of course, Superman never has like a you know he he hasn't got someone to to help 
do the dishes and, and, and keep the, the manor in place, has he? Um, Paul, I think you'll find Superman has John Dutton is his dad from that, Yellowstone Ranch. That is correct. Uh, wasn't it great to have John Dutton, you know, find a way to get into our podcast this week? Because I loved those scenes with Russell Crowe and Kevin Costner's dialogue, but the two dads is talking to Kal-El and talking to Clark. That was nicely done. And yet, you're right, John Dutton, how dare I forget him? You know, I, I would take John Dutton in my camp any day. Like, and it was so it was so good to. I think particularly, you know, like we're both big fans of Yellowstone, and I think Kevin Costner playing that kind of far, that the Earth fatherly figure, and it was so great. Yeah, it was. Um, and of course, just to be to be absolutely sure, um, the actual name of Clark Kent's father uh, is Jonathan Kent. So. Not Jonathan Dutton. The, the, the character I was thinking of, because um, we don't have an Alfred type, is um, is Perry Mason. And I was really disappointed. Not Perry Mason. <laughs> Perry White. <laughs> Perry, not Perry Mason. Definitely not Perry. Um, yeah, the head of the Daily Planet that Lawrence Fishburne played in, in Man of Steel and in Batman vs. Superman. I really liked that character. And of course, I love Lawrence Fishburne. So I was, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, we've got a fire movie here. I reckon Lawrence Fishburne's. Perry White might make an appearance, but uh, he didn't show up. So that was one disappointment for me. But there we go. You can't have it all, right? I think it was, you know, we did get some other great, uh, I guess, cameos in this. And I think, you know, one of them was um, the Martian Manhunter. Yes. Um, who, you know, appears at um, at Bruce's house and, you know, ends up talking to uh, Lois Lane. Um, and I think, you know, another great just kind of like subtle nod to another huge character in the Justice League and probably if this had gone on to be whatever it was going to be, probably would have ended in some type of um, Martian Manhunter movie or at least him playing a, a cameo role in lots of different movies because um, if you sort of have watched any of the, the old Justice League cartoons or are a fan of the comics, like he's a pretty senior member of the Justice League um, from the from the get-go. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got to put my hand up here and say I was unfamiliar with his character, with the exception of the fact that I had seen him in Supergirl. I watched the the first three seasons of Supergirl, and um, that character is in that uh, universe as well. And so I really enjoyed seeing him show up here. I thought, you know, when he was he was sort of interjected himself as as Diane Lane's um, Martha Kent, and then again later on, I thought um, it was really nicely done. How he um how he did that it was uh yeah so to to hear as I am live on the podcast that this was a character that had a major role in the Justice League um that's even better that he had a role in this movie who else I think too, there's a whole bunch of well there's a whole bunch of other sort of like characters who had um sort of minor roles but big impact roles like I think Lois Lane's a good example of that mm. so um and I think the whole thing with I think um Lois is obviously the she kind of carried the the grief of um Superman's death and I think what one thing this movie did really well even just through like little touches is because the whole start of the movie, you know, is obviously the world is in mourning that they've lost Superman. There's Superman's um, banner flying over, is it London Bridge or Tower Bridge? I always get them confused. Tower Bridge, yeah. Tower Bridge. Like it just kind of like showed that the whole world was kind of rallying around this. And obviously Lois Lane is absolutely heartbroken, hasn't really got her 
um, life back together, hasn't been able to go back to um, being the the journalist that she she once was. But I think again, like Amy Adams played a, a fantastic part in this, and great to kind of see more of her character um, from those earlier movies as well. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I think her role was again not as there wasn't as much more compared to the original cut from my memory, but I thought her role was really important, as you say, sort of carrying that grief um, and sort of, you know, the, the, the daily visits to the, to the memorial and bringing the two coffees for the, the police, you know, that sort of building that up bit by bit. And then of course, um, when she, you know, when she finally sees him back, um, you know, we get to experience that, that wonderful moment. And, um, you know, it was her character that really managed to, to basically calm him down. Otherwise, if she didn't, if she wasn't around, I don't know what he might have done at that point. Well, that's right, because he basically came straight out of uh, whatever sort of cryo deep sleep sort of death mode that that he was in, and obviously, he, like I, I feel like he came out of there so like swell up, like he had, he hadn't skipped any chest days. Or like you know, he was he was he was beefed up. He was ready to be to be Superman again. He was, he was indeed. Yes, I think um, it took him a long time to find a shirt, which um, I'm sure not too many people out there were complaining about, right? Indeed. I think um, there's a few other um, kind of like characters or little moments which I thought were really awesome in this. So going back to one of the, I guess, the flashback scenes, and it kind of, this is probably more talking a little bit to Stephen Wolf and... Um, Dark Seed and the basically the the battle between um, uh, the Amazonians and what are Aquaman's people called the the fish people the sea people right. the fish people let's call them that and and the humans and they had a really like sort of like Lord of the Rings vibe as well right like where they're kind of like they're battling evil and there's a, there's a big kind of fight going on and what I thought was really sort of like awesome was that just that really small scene with a green lantern and that that character. And he, yeah. And like, again, like didn't make a big deal about it. Basically showed one of the former green, green lantern characters obviously died. That ring goes, you know, goes to somebody. And I thought again, awesome. What an awesome way to then sort of like in the future, you know, in an ideal future to actually sort of build on that and be like, who's going to be the next Green Lantern? And again, just kind of, just all these kind of like fandom nods and shout outs that um, brought this all, that basically brought this all together and made it a an awesome fan experience. Yeah, no, really nice. I, I love that, um, that Green Lantern moment. I have to admit, if you hadn't mentioned it, I probably would have um, uh, forgotten it. Um, the other character I had here, so the actor Joe Morton, I feel like, uh, in terms of little side character, I feel like his character, um, I feel like he's got a lot to to answer for, actually, because this is the guy who, he was, you know, Dyson in Terminator. You know, he essentially created Skynet. And in in this movie, he's sort of, you know, he's got a lot to answer for in this movie as well. He's always seems to be creating trouble. And, um, you know, in this movie, though, of course, he sacrifices himself um, to superheat that 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 final box up, and so I guess he made up for it. But um, I really enjoyed his character in this in this movie. I felt um, obviously um, what was the name Silas Stone? Yeah, Silas, the father of Victor Stone. I, I felt like his role was a lot more satisfying than how it was in the original uh, cut. For, again, from what I can remember, I felt this was a lot more enjoyable. 
Yeah, I think so. Again, it was. I think this all just kind of spoke to the the cyborg backstory and the context you needed about how cyborg became who he is and the role that his family had in in his creation. And I, again, it was a interesting role, in a, which I think sort of just added a bit of depth and meaning to the to the character in the story. Uh, J.K. Simmons, uh, who plays Commissioner Gordon, uh, is his role. I feel, you know, we've talked before about Gary Oldman's Gordon just being unbeatable. So he 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 had a very different take. And whilst I don't know too much about the comics or the cartoons, I do know enough to know that his look was very in keeping with that type of uh, Gordon uh, from from some of those comics and some of those series. And I felt like uh, I felt like he was pretty good. I felt there was some good some good banter and some good humor between um, him and the rest of the the Justice League when he was putting the best thing up in the sky. Yeah, I think again, like when you've got a very dark and gritty kind of um, city, you you need a dark and gritty Commissioner Gordon, right? Who can kind of, you, and I think that's the thing about J.K. Simmons, right? He he kind of portrays the the history of the character in his you know in his facial to the way that he talks to the tone of his voice. Um, it, he was great. I think also another um great character obviously was to see more of Lex Luthor as well mm. um, who's played by Jesse Eisenberg and I think I don't recall how much Lex Luthor we got in the original Justice League but I feel like we definitely got a lot more this time yeah no definitely we did and um, his name I remember watching the credits roll at the start and his name came up pretty early and I thought wow we're going to get quite a bit of him but I think actually I think uh, just simply his stature as an actor obviously meant that he got top billing but in actual fact over the course of four hours it wasn't that much but you're quite right compared to the original cat we definitely got a lot more i found his um i found his luther quite fascinating because you know we were talking about gene hatman before on the podcast and you know the ultimate version of lex luther but i feel like his take on the the character he's he did something different with the character and i really appreciated that whilst keeping some things true Whereas if I think about what Kevin Spacey did with Lex Luthor in the um, the Superman Returns movie, uh, I feel like Eisenberg brought something a, a lot, lot different. He was very central, obviously, in Batman versus Superman, but in this one, uh, the moment he did get involved towards the end of the movie, which, again, was a whole interesting scene, which we probably wrap up on, I guess, um, was, yeah, really, really worthwhile. And again, another character I'd be keen to see more of. I agree, and I think I think you've touched on it here that the way that he brought Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor to life is like he's very kind of quietly spoken, quite softly spoken, but still with kind of complete menace and um, sort of lust and desire for sort of control and power. And I think normally when we see Lex Luthor, that often comes through in quite a sort of aggressive way. Mm. And I think whereas Jesse Eisenberg, as I say, is un sort of almost understated and i think that almost makes the character a little bit more terrifying correct yeah it is it does bring the terror um more so in batman versus of men but yeah at the end you just despite what you've gone through in the previous three and a half hours um on a like i said like that sort of universe godlike monster type power just to be brought back to a, a human being a man uh essentially First, we think in a cell, in a um, in a padded cell, in a straitjacket, and then the terror comes straight back in. So, uh, 
Yeah, um, the, I guess we yeah we've, we've briefly touched on Henry Cavill, but um, I do want to just add I, I feel like he is absolutely superb as as Superman. I, I feel like he's got a very definitive Superman look, and of course you know 2013 was a while ago, right? So um, you know that's when we first got the Man of Steel. And you know we were talking the other week about how he's he's hung up the the cape, but I I, I feel like um, Christopher Reeve will always be a lot of people's Superman, but I feel like in time when people look back, he will have quite a, a legacy as Superman. I feel like um, his his role in this movie, like I said, we had to wait for it for a long time, but when he came in, every scene that he was in was was really satisfying. And um, as as much as I enjoyed that wait for him to come in. The, the anticipation of it built it meant that we only got we still only got a relatively small window of superman in this movie didn't we yeah that's right and i think that um it is a small amount but i think i'm just trying to think back and i feel like i'm either gonna get this right or i'm gonna make a complete fool of myself in the original um justice league the the 2017 version we didn't get any superman did we we just got kind of the, the bang on the coffin at the end no. Am I right in saying that? No, that's the ending of Batman versus Superman. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. We still got Superman in, in Justice League the original. That's why we had the, the dodgy mustache. Oh, of course we did too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So um, I'll take it all back. I made a fool of myself. Oh look, one of us has to at least once a week. It's almost in the contract, isn't it? Um what else have I got noted here? Someone else I was gonna ask oh, so William Defoe's character uh as one of the fish people. Um, was a, a nice issue. <laughs> We've got to stop that. A nice addition, but not 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 much screen time, um, which was a shame because he's an actor we always uh, in, enjoy. Um, the the Joker. So so as mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, this is the first time anyone's ever played the Joker more than once in a movie. Um, Jared Leto. It was it was a very brief joker scene it's it is essentially a cameo but it's certainly a a lot more than we saw i guess of batman's cameo in in suicide squad but what i will say is that even even in this brief cameo that we got of jared leto as the joker in here i preferred that entire scene of him as joker at the end of this movie which i think we need to dive into more than i did his joker in suicide squad I completely agree. So yeah, let, let's dive into this this epilogue. So, so this basically this scene, and I think I don't think they made it very clear um, that this was kind of a the, the dream sequence that it was mm. sort of the alternate reality playing out if different decisions had been made. And I'm with you. I was fascinated by this Joker, whereas the Joker that we saw in Suicide Squad didn't really have anything special that kind of made it interesting or appealing whereas this character again much like almost kind of the the Jesse Eisenberg's um, Lex Luthor felt completely different it felt like he had a whole different type of darkness to him the the language that he was using it it wasn't really a way that we're used to hearing the Joker talk like he was kind of like the, the Jared Leto's Joker and this, and his brief scene was kind of foul mouthed. He was offensive, and it mm. was. We don't often see that with the Joker. We often see the Joker being far sort of. Um, I don't know whether the word smarter than that, but this was a a Joker I I wanted to know more about. Yeah, no, you're right. He was more mysterious. Uh, he was, 
he was more sort of foreboding and intimidating and darker and I didn't feel comfortable listening to him you know I felt very unnerved by him whereas I think what he what he at least portrayed what he was given to portray within Suicide Squad was didn't was lacking some depth um whereas this this was this was I yeah we've just sat there for four hours right and we're getting the Joker right I felt like that whole thing, I felt like you you can go another hour if you want. I'm not going to complain. I was ready to see more of that. That was fascinating. Yeah, and I think you know this is some of the some of the stuff that you know you kind of see that came out from the movies. Like you know, it's a, it's a shame because I think you know you talk about people getting a hard time on this movie. I think Jared Leto probably gets the the most grief of anyone uh, for his role as the Joker and kind of being the like the try hard or the didn't land Joker or it just didn't work or it's Jared Leto being weird whereas I actually think this portrayal and this sort of this brief sort of few minute scene was was perfect and I think that it's a shame again that he's kind of like his, his shot's probably gone as well right like we, we might get a bit more of him in a, um, some of these movies well and I think just some of the other Joker stuff going on but I, yeah, I think this this little nugget was was great and I even just loved how you know he's sitting on the bonnet of that car he's wearing that yeah. police vest and he's got you know 50 different police badges on his chest like there was something really menacing and terrifying about that scene yeah there was and just the language he was as you said the language he was using the whole that whole conversation about I'm your best friend uh um that's something I feel like I've seen that in a Lego movie I feel like I've seen that in some of the Batman Joker video games. I feel like it's a conversation that often happens and now it feels more real because it's happened on screen, albeit in that weird dream sequence. And he also mentions killing Jason Todd as well, which is one of, um, you know, uh, talking before about Batman's um, sidekicks. You know, again, whole nother fascinating, like, you know, give me that story. I would sign me up to the Zack Snyder, um, Batman, Jason Todd, Joker story. Like, I'd... I would be first in queue to watch that movie. I also, like, just in that whole scene, you know, what if the whole kind of, like, alternate reality of, obviously, you've got Batman, you've got Deathstroke, you've got Joker, you've got Cyborg, Cyborg um, you've got Mirror, and, you know, such an unlikely bunch of anti-heroes to come together mm. and then to kind of have them face off against Superman, like, and and you know we've already seen in the movie how powerful Superman is when he's angry. Like he he would have destroyed all of them with one sort of flash of the eyes. It would have all been over. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. That's about that balance around. That's why I guess you needed that um, that Steppenwolf, um, Darkseid type villain in terms of being able to sort of withhold because otherwise Superman wins every time. Um, that's what makes Superman two such a fascinating movie to me. Always will because of course it's the three villains. And so you're right. Superman angry those guys had no no chance but I would have loved to have seen that dream sequence play even longer even though it was very disturbing because the only giveaway for me that it was a dream sequence was because Batman had that that sort of long trench greeny brown jacket on which he had in the dream sequence in Batman versus Superman otherwise I was like thinking what is what is going on it's sort of like did I look away for a moment and something something's happened but it was a it's again it goes back to what I was saying about this movie not being like any other it's sort of it doesn't finish on that that typical high necessarily because they they have a really long scene where they do the the slow mo pan around all the characters of the Justice League stood together and you're just waiting for it to come up directed by Je- uh, Zack Snyder 
And of course it doesn't. It goes into a very dark place and some some foul language and it's fantastic. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think it's um, it was quite a, a, a cool and different way to end. And it was really cool to get, to get to see a bit more about Deathstroke as well, particularly his interaction with Lex Luthor and, you know, kind of the big reveal that they now know who um, that Bruce Wayne is Batman and Deathstroke kind of going out on a mission. And I thought, again, another fascinating movie or, you know, TV series to watch. Like I've mostly seen Deathstroke through uh, the Arrow TV show mm. and he's always been a, a an interesting character um, and he, he's a he's a great mercenary. Yeah, I've experienced very little of, of that character beyond uh, sort of, I think, uh, my goodness, cartoons. That's about it. I, I really haven't seen much of him at all. So um, for me, it was a nice little, there's a lot of learning curves for me in this in this movie. But um, I think I'm just I'm really conscious of time as well, Dan. I can't believe how long we've been talking. But I that for me were the, the main sort of character thoughts that I had for this, this movie. I've got a, you know, a couple of closing thoughts I can give. But anything else you want to touch on? No, no, I'm happy to go into sort of um, final thoughts on um, highs and lows and maybe a final Guns Akimbo rating. Right, so the first thing I want to say, and I know this will never happen, is I really hope that this movie becomes known as Justice League because I think when you're talking about, you know, Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, and then having to say Zack Snyder's Justice League, it, it, it takes you out of the universe because, of course, you're mentioning the, the person. I know it won't happen, People still refer to, you know, I just talked about Superman 2. People still refer to that movie as the Richard Donner cut, um, as that's the version that most people will agree is superior to the the Richard Lester cut. But um, yeah, I wish it could be known as just Justice League and we could sort of, can we all agree that the other one can can go in the bin, essentially? I, I think so, because I think, you know, it's 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 even frustrating talking about it now, saying the original Justice League mm. and the the Zack Snyder version. It would be easier just to talk about one, and I think this is. I would imagine looking at kind of the reviews that are already starting to come out. Like I think the original Justice League maybe got about forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a higher audience score of of seventy one mm. versus the this new movie is already at a. Um, tomato meter score which is basically mostly critics at 78 percent so is there already ratings out there for this new cut just from critics all oh, right i thought it was just you and me i thought we were the only ones who'd seen it so far so there was other people invited obviously okay a few okay. a few maybe okay all right i'll live with that look i um i yeah my my final thoughts is it's great it's 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 a masterpiece in its own right really it's um it's i wouldn't say it's completely redefined what a superhero movie is but i feel like it has the the runtime is what seals it for me it allows you the opportunity to get those backstories it allows everyone to come together and all of the story and all of the action to to flow together into one big experience and so you get all the the different emotions um um and it's also you know i was thinking in terms of the the story it's quite inspiring too as well you know you know people being united and, and helping each other out and i feel like that sometimes as a, a series of movies often gets referred to as as becoming a universe and we hear a lot about that um you know and, and we talk about it on this pod but somehow it felt like 
this this universe got built within this film. That's how how big it was. Yeah, I think for me, like, I don't think I don't think this this hasn't redefined superhero moves for me. I I still think that. Um, love it or hate it, I still think Marvel did a, a better job at character building and then telling big, punchy storylines. Mm. I think what this movie did for me, though, is it made me care about the Justice League. Um, and like you say, I I want this to be the Justice League, not the not the ultimate one that that we refer to, because I, I think I'm I'm so happy for Zack Snyder and he's got to you know, finish this movie and tell the story that he wanted to tell from the beginning because I, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I, like you, am going to think of this as kind of a, a bit of a trilogy. Um, I think it's, like, it's a long movie, right? Like, there's, there's no two ways about it, but I think the the difference here between, you know, when we make that comparison to Marvel where they might have sort of gone at it from a more um, structured sort of storytelling perspective, I think um, the, this DC thing is a is a darker, grittier, more um, adult vibe, I guess. And I think that could have been a real point of difference. Um, and rather than try to sort of like sort of swing too much in other directions like they did with Wonder Woman 84, mm. um, it, it doesn't always land. So, so for me, a positive is that. I actually really enjoyed the quite intense fight scenes. I enjoyed seeing, you know, a bit of blood. I enjoyed that they they were they weren't sort of like holding back any sort of punches. Another thing I'd give it a shout out for is I think just its fan service in general. You know, like they they showed us a little bit of Green Lantern. They brought in um, the Martian Manhunter. They brought in Deathstroke. They gave us a whole bunch of stuff that they didn't really have to. They gave us a little bit more Joker and the Joker that they obviously wanted to have from the beginning. Um, and they didn't have to do that, but I think they did that for the fans. Um, and then I guess you know it's it's always it's always fun when it's used sparingly, but to hear Batman drop an f bomb. I think is great. And, you know, you always talk about, you know, if you could plant one F-bomb in a movie, where would it be? And I think that there is a bit of bad language in this movie, and it is R-rated, I guess, for some of those reasons. But I think they do it well, and they do it on the scenes that matter, which I think is really cool. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I enjoyed that too. Um, the only sort of – my only negatives, and, and they're not even really that big, to be honest, is I think probably a little bit too much slow motion for me, like I've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the other thing is it took a long time into the movie to find out who the bad guy is. Yeah. And I think that may have been less of a problem if I'd sort of re-familiarised myself with the other movies. But now that we've got a bit more time to watch them, I, I think I'm going to sit down and watch that trilogy. Um, and then I think just overall, like we've I've probably already said way far too often, is I kind of just feel a little bit um, sad that this that we don't have this cast as – as the Justice League anymore, and I think we've got such a such a star-stellar cast of you know big name actors: Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, Ben Affleck, Jared Leto. Like these are all big, big actors, right? And they've finally sort of put them together in a movie, and it's like it it feels a little bit painful that at some point they're probably going to have to reset or reboot or or start again because mm. unless they kind of just change who the actor is which I don't think they'll want to do. They'll, they'll kind of want to start afresh and it's kind of, it's going to be a, it's a bummer to have to go through that again. But I think overall, I think this was fantastic. I think it's a, it's a great watch. Um, and the fact that you can watch it on a streaming service without having to repay for this as a movie, is pretty awesome. 
to watch a, a four-hour movie the way that obviously the original director's sort of vision of it is an awesome thing. No, absolutely. I um, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, I've talked about my negatives already throughout the pod, so I don't need to go back into it. You know, the music was my big one. Uh, the lack of theme for Batman. And uh, what was my other one? Oh, the, um, the villain, like you, just... Just didn't quite work for me. I'd like a more basic villain. I'd rather they were fighting the penguin, to be honest. But uh, there we go. Um, Superman probably take the penguin down pretty quick. Um, there was a comment. I don't know if you saw it, Dan. So we have a a, a half measures Discord community um, as we talk about each week. And there was a comment in the uh, just in the last twenty four hours that came in uh, from someone who posted that in the Charlotte Observer uh, in North Carolina, someone uh, put. Oh, just read about. Um, Justice League, um, is it just hyperbole? It says here it's one of the best superhero movies of the past ten years, and I, I haven't responded to that in the in the Discord community because I didn't want to spoil this pod. But I, for me, I think it is. And and when I when you think that the you know Batman Begins and the Dark Knight, they're over ten years ago now, then it absolutely is. It's. It's as I've said before. It's a perfect companion for Batman versus Superman. It really rounds out that trilogy. It makes those movies more important as well. Um, as well as that, I know I've sort of talked about the core movies, but the Wonder Woman movie, at least the original, as I said, I haven't seen the second. That original Wonder Woman movie, they all fit in together really, really well. So um, for me, Dan, if we're going on the guns akimbo scale, I, I give this one all the guns, and I, I give it as as an epic event and experience it's beyond a movie it's something completely different it does play for a long time and as such it consumes most of your day most of your afternoon most of your evening and so as such you become really it's like when you watch the extended cut of lord of the rings right it's you really go deep into it well i think you know that that's a good way to think about it and i think for that reason i'm also going to give it all the guns it's going to get four guns on the the guns akimbo scale because for me, this is the this is the return of the king of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, mm. and this brings it all together. There might be some bits that didn't quite land for us, but overall, as a package, what what a fantastic way to kind of see it out. And I, I think it's just been awesome. I think I have to be honest. I was probably one of those people that thought to myself, do we need this? Do we really need, like, is this even possible? Can we even get, the, is there enough footage to even make this movie? Can you get these actors back? I, I was a real naysayer. And you know what? I'm. It's epic. And I think if we can do it for Justice League, then we can do it for season eight of Game of Thrones. And on that note, I'll invite people to tell us what they thought. You know, come along, join the Discord community, click on the notes uh, on the link in our show notes, get in touch with us on our social medias if you want to give us your thoughts on the Justice League on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or IMDb or Podchaser. But uh, this has been absolutely brilliant. Don't forget, you can watch Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO Max in the US, on Sky Cinema in the UK, on Binge in Australia, and of course, exclusively on Neon here in New Zealand. And our thanks again to the good people there for giving us this opportunity to watch it ahead of its global release as part of this HBO event. 
Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Neon. That has truly been epic. Also, a special shout-out to our Patreon producers of the show, Samara King and Trisha Brady. If you, too, would like to become a Patreon supporter of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.